welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Robert, welcome to the show. How are you today? Yuri, I'm very well and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. Thank you. Wonderful. And again, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. So I'd like to start off uh, by asking you to describe yourself and what you do. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, the reason I'm laughing is that uh, I always think if anybody asks me that, they better be ready because I'll I'll start droning on for hours. Um, <laughs> but I'll try not to. So look, um, I work with people that are um, starting, running, or growing very small businesses, um, and I have been doing that um, for the last actually for about the last 15 or so years so um i won't bore you with my whole background just yet but that's what i do i help people sort of uh, conceive design create finesse very small businesses so i think of them as lifestyle businesses but often when you hear the phrase lifestyle business you know we get all those silly images of people lying in hammocks with their laptops and that's just not realistic in my opinion. So when I think of lifestyle business, what I mean is being able to do the work they enjoy with the people they like, where they want and when they want. That to me is a, is a lifestyle business and one that successfully puts food on the table. If we can get all those things kind of sorted, then as far as I'm concerned, you know, our work life doesn't get much better than that. So that's what I do. I, I'm, I'm committed to helping people do that. It's what I've been doing for a number of years. Alongside that, you know, I'm in my, I had a, grew a big uh, community down here in Australia. So I'm in, I, I'm talking to you from Sydney. I grew a fairly large, um, solo business community here, mm-hmm. um, which I actually sold just over a year ago. So now I'm, you know, early start of a new year, I find myself without that business, um, and sort of really footloose and fancy free and very much solo again. And, um, really rather excited so i'm in, in my early 60s i'm um i'm my wife is an artist so we have sort of art all around us mm-hmm. in fact <clears throat> in fact we're going to have to start hanging it on the ceiling if um if we don't sell some um <laughs> but yeah so you know that that's that's who i am and that's what i do does that answer the question i hope so yes yes it has uh, good. actually quite succinctly so thank you oh that's good yeah <laughs> So let's so let's jump into you know because you've had such an interesting journey. Let's before we talk about you know kind of your advice to solo entrepreneurs. Mm. Let's let's look at your business career. So what first made you want to start a company? That's a great question. Well, look. So uh, I'm a uh, I've been living in Australia for a little over twenty years. Um, prior to that, I was in London. I lived in London for a little over 20 years. And uh, prior to that, so for the first 20 years of my life, I lived in the sort of countryside in the UK, in England. 
Um, when I moved to London, um, I was not, this was in my very, I think I was 20. I was basically just, I just had a job. And, um, through that, through that job, through a very long story, I ended up in the being drawn towards the sort of creative industries. Um, but very much as a suit as opposed to a creative. If you, do you follow that distinction? Is that a, yes. yeah? Yeah. yeah that's, okay. that's a thing. Yeah. All right. So I was kind of, um, in fact, uh, the work that I did before that was in the in the motor business, the auto business. So my father um, was a, a motor dealer or an auto dealer um, back where I was born. And so I kind of was in that industry. So basically, I was a used car salesman. That was the first thing I ever did. Now, I'm not sure what your first impressions of a used car salesman is, but usually you give them a fairly wide berth. Right. But um, what was good about being in that business was that I learned to deal with people. I learned to sell. I learned to recognize buying signals. I learned to understand people. And then when I, through various sort of twists of fate and serendipity, kind of moved more into the creative side. So, in fact, what I was doing was working with um, Alfa Romeo, who are a, a, you would probably know a large Italian car company. I worked for their head office in London and I, I found myself, I managed to get myself into the marketing department. So I was doing kind of marketing for the automotive industry with a, you know, a fairly sexy Italian sports car. Um, I then moved from that and actually joined jump ship from the client side to the agency side and joined the agency that were looking after that piece of business. And that then really set me for the first time into this whole space of a small creative company. So we were an independent agency based in the center of London. And I then spent um, probably, I think, about 10 years working my way through that little business to the point that I became a partner in that business. And indeed, we then sold that business to Saatchi and Saatchi Advertising, you know, at that point, the world's biggest ad agency. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I really did work, work, work my way quite deeply into the this kind of creative business. And I was really enjoying it. But what I realized more and more was that the people that really seemed to be enjoying themselves um, were not the suits and not necessarily even the designers in the company, but were often the freelance people that we were working with, you know, artists. And we used to do sort of music promotions and various other things within this in this business. And I, I kept seeing these people thinking, you seem to be having a really good time. <laughs> um, and uh, but nonetheless, you know, I was still I was kind of head down building a career working far too hard i was in my sort of early 30s by then and by the time we sold that business i was pretty well burnt out to be honest you know i'd, I'd given a, a a lot of a, a lot of my um myself to that business so um i thought okay i want to do something a bit different here so i left that business and we sold it so i had a little bit of money in the bank mm -hmm. and um I actually bought a public lavatory in the west of London and I converted it into an art gallery. Now, that might sound a bit weird, and indeed it was a bit weird, but um, I just wanted, you know, I, I had developed uh, an, a real interest in contemporary art mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, I, I thought rather arrogantly, I thought what the art world is missing is marketing. They need somebody who knows how to market. Because if you go, I'm sure it's the same in Boston and around the world, you go into a, 
an art gallery and and suddenly you get often very sort of standoffish people and um you know you can't it's all very quiet and hushed and i thought this is all wrong you know because when you meet the artists they're not like that at all they're all upbeat and exciting and creative and yet so many galleries are very sort of stuffy you know that's a that's an english word that i hope translates mm-hmm. so i thought as a marketing person I know what we need to do. We need to rev up and excite the world of contemporary art. What better place to do that than in a public lavatory? So I bought this public lavatory that the councils were sort of selling them off um, for very, I won't go into that whole rabbit hole of, of <laughs> digression. But anyway, I bought this building and I filled it full of contemporary art. And uh, through my marketing skills, I got you know, a lot of publicity. I had big shows. I had big openings didn't make a dollar it was a really hard business what i realized i was very good at getting people in the door Mm -hmm. but the sort of work that i was showing was quite sort of in your face and i just couldn't get people to take the work home with them Mm. bit of a bit of a lesson there Mm -hmm. but uh, i kind of refused to um you know i didn't want to start selling pretty pictures so i basically shut that business down and, 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 you know, kind of learnt a lesson and, and, and lost quite a lot of money. But there you go. It's all part of growing up. And I got to that point. I thought, OK, so now what am I going to do? And I decided I don't want to go back into employment. I want to I really want to get control of my uh, kind of working life. So I did what any sensible person does is I put a backpack on and went around the world. That's what I thought I should do. So I did. Um, and uh and I ended up in Australia. You know, I went traveled in various places and I ended up here. Now, for an, uh, for an Englishman to come to Australia, it's a very easy transition. I mean, the, um, getting permission to live here isn't so easy, but mm-hmm. in terms of the countries, you know, they're, it's very easy. The language is the same. They drive on the same side of the road. Uh, you know, everything's, it's just like England, only with sunshine. Um, it, and, and I got here and I thought, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And I fell in love with Australia and I love the sort of style of life here. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to base the next phase of my life here. So I did. I moved to Australia. I happily met, uh, the woman who's been my wife now for the last 20 years, Jane. We have a young son and life is here and it's, you know, I really enjoy living here. But what I decided when I came here is I was going to start a business that really, you know, just avoided the pressures that I'd kind of been running away from in London. I should probably take a breath here. Am I taking too long with this response or is this okay? No, no, this is perfect. I, I, okay. I do want to hear your journey with this. So this is fantastic. All right. Okay. So look, I'll try, I'll, I'll try and keep it short. So what, when I, when I got to Sydney, you know, mm-hmm. uh, shortly, actually when I first came here, I actually worked with a big design group for a year because I thought, okay, first things first, let's, just get the lie of the land around here. So maybe getting a job for a year isn't a bad idea. So I did. So I worked with a big design company for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good and learnt my way around the city and all that sort of stuff. But by the end of that period, when I decided to leave, I had a good network then of creative people, freelance designers and artists and photographers and people that had kind of come into that business um, you know, whether as freelancers or, or employees or whatever. And so what I did when I quit that job is I started working as a kind of consultant to those businesses, to, to small creative businesses. So I was helping people 
in those businesses, work out, you know, who their target market were, how to position themselves, how to recruit people in the business, how to brand themselves and market themselves. That was the work that I was doing. And it was really good fun. Mm -hmm. It was really good fun. But I still felt, I don't know, I wasn't really, it just wasn't kind of firing me completely. And then through delightful twist of face, I met a guy at a dinner party, um, a psychologist, you know, and as anyone would know, if you're going to a dinner party, do not sit next to the psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. Yeah, and it turned out he didn't burrow into my head. He, but he was the most delightful, is the most delightful man. He's become a very good friend. And, um, and I was talking to him about my work and he said, what do you enjoy the most? And I said, well, you know, the thing I really enjoy the most is kind of after the day of work with these small creative business owners, we kind of go to the bar or we go to a cafe. That's when I enjoy it because that's when they really start telling me about their life and why they're running this business and all of those kind of, I said, that's what I really enjoy is those sort of conversations. And he said to me, you know, you should have a look at this. This was in uh, 2000, 1999, 2000. He said, you should look at this new thing called coaching that has been growing in the US and it's just come to Australia. You mm -hmm. should look at that because that sounds like the kind of thing you might like. So I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I've never heard of it. You know, coaching was not in Australia in 2000. So I did some research and lo and behold, Coach University, a big uh, US company, was indeed um, running some training in Australia, the first ever training outside of the US a couple of weeks after that. So I joined up, did the course and cut a long story short, became qualified as a coach. I then helped the International Coach Federation. I was on the board of that. We set up the Australian arm of that. So I got very involved in coaching. Mm -hmm. um, this was at a time when, you know, if you met someone and you said, I'm a coach, they were really interested to hear what's that. <laughs> you know, these days, if you say I'm a coach, people run for cover. Right. You know, it's, it's a bit of a different industry. But anyway, so I started working in a coaching capacity, and I really enjoyed that. I loved the uh, what, what I was able to accomplish with my clients. Okay. It was far, far more uh, effective than rolling up your sleeves and doing the job because what you're doing, obviously, if you're coaching properly and well, uh, is you're helping people realize where their perhaps their own failings are and to help them upskill and, and, and take action. So that's what I did. And again, through a delightful twist of fate, ABC television, which is the Australian version of your ABC television, mm -hmm. Australian broadcasting company, uh, one of their big documentary shows was doing um, a program on new work styles. And they were looking, they, one of the things they were, they were looking at technology, they were looking at the way, the way the world of work was changing. And they heard about this new thing called coaching. And somehow they heard about me. So I had then had a TV crew in my office, which incidentally was a shed in the garden mm -hmm. because our son, our son had, <laughs> our son had been born. So he kicked me out of my office and I was working in this shed and I had a film crew following me for a week. They followed me and they followed some of my, my small handful of clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a few weeks later on sort of national TV here, the, I had this fantastic exposure and and Yuri, my phone just rang off the hook. It went bonkers. Yeah. 
right? So suddenly from having a nice, small, containable little business, I suddenly had more clients than I knew what to do with. It was, it was crazy. So, you know, being like most people in the creative industries, you know, if there's a client there, you say yes. Mm-hmm sometimes and I said you know I said yes to everyone and so I was working my you know I was just working like crazy and I thought this is not this wasn't the plan you know I was meant to be building a nice cruisy comfortable lifestyle business and here I am working you know 24 7 so what I did was I I realized that I needed to kind of get a get a grip on this so I pulled all the phone sockets out of the wall for a couple of days and I sat down and looked at all the notes of all the all the files of everyone I'd coach, which was by then, I don't know, probably 60 or 70 people. And all the people I loved working with, I put in one pile and all the other people I put in another pile. And lo and behold, all the people I really enjoyed working with and was really accomplishing some meaningful success for them um, mm-hmm. We're all solo business people. They're all people running their own one-person business. Mm-hmm. So being a marketing man, I realized that was a bit of a signal. So I registered the name Flying Solo. And from that day on, I purely spoke to and promoted and marketed to the one-person business. And what happened in a very short space of time is um, a, lo- a national newspaper here asked me if I'd write a a weekly column about solo business. Uh, then a publisher approached me and asked me if I'd write a book. Um, and it all just, it just, you know, when things are right, they just obviously right. And, um, and so it just, it, it took off. So I wrote a book called Flying Solo, which became a, a bestseller here. Um, I started an online community with by then uh, one partner and uh, subsequently another partner mm-hmm. called Flying Solo, which grew to we had 120,000 solo business members, all Australian. And we had 30 or 40 writers and we ran events. So, you know, it all just grew from that. Yeah. And um, anyway, yes, that's my response. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, thank I you. A, that w- no, I just had a very strong coffee. So, you know, I yeah. could uh, <laughs> that, that was a very thorough answer, so I appreciate okay, that. Good. Thank you. So, uh, okay, so so you've spent a tremendous amount of time in the you know the solo entrepreneur kind of creative space. Yep. So, what are in a lot of the clients that you have spoken with and worked with? Mm. Um, what are some of the kind of common stumbling blocks that you see? that they constantly hit and what advice do you help them to give them to overcome those? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great question. Well, look, um, we, with, with flying solo over those years, we ran some very large research programs. We had online, well, they still have, I've sold that business now, but it's the business continues to, to prosper. And, uh, we, we ran some big research programs every couple of years. So we kind of know what keeps people awake at nights. Um, we see it, we, through the discussions in the forums, we meet people at events. So we kind of know what it is. And basically there are four key things that are a constant, uh, in every research you've done constantly kind of top the list of, of challenges. The first is finding enough clients and having enough revenue. So those are kind of two things together. So finding enough clients. Now I'll perhaps come to solutions to some of those things in a second. Um, the second one is wearing too many hats, trying to do everything yourself. 
um, which is a very common trap for a very small business. You know, and uh, when you think solo business, you know, a lot of people think, well, of course, you have to do everything yourself because you're working by yourself. But, you know, it's a real trap. And, and as, as you would know, and I'm sure a number of your listeners, are, you don't have to do everything yourself and nor should you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the second hot button. The third one um, is actually time management, which is clearly very closely related to the second one, but is having enough hours in the day. People are just not getting done the things they need to get done. Uh, and the final one is 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 getting the business model right. So is actually you know a lot of a lot of practitioners, creative practitioners are very good at their practice, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily so good at turning that practice into a viable business. Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of the four hot buttons. Now, to answer your question is to you know what do we sort of do about this? You know, in a nutshell, they're all very much intertwined. Um, what can often happen with uh, a small creative business is we say so we love our practice, we love our work, but we don't necessarily find ourselves hugely skilled in all the areas that we kind of need to be skilled in or at least have a good knowledge of, um, particularly marketing. You know, when people are constantly looking for clients, constantly looking for more business, you know, what, what I'll say to somebody who, who comes to me or that I come across that, that is struggling a bit with finding enough clients, usually the first question I'll say is, okay, let's have a look at your diary and see how much time you're spending on business development. You know, what, where are your blocks of time? What are you doing in the next seven days that's going to help your business find more clients? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And often what I'll find is people give me a fairly blank look saying, oh, you know, I'm going to a networking meeting or I'm sending my email newsletter out and I'll be posting on Facebook three times a day. It's like, right. yeah, okay, you know, those are little sort of actions, but what's, what's really, what's your marketing strategy? What's your, who are you really trying to talk with? And unfortunately, a lot of us in small businesses, we just don't have a clear picture of really who our ideal client is. And if we don't have that picture, then how on earth are we going to really find them? And I see so many businesses that are just busy kind of firing off activity all over the place, but it's really not got a terribly clear direction. I mean, there's a um, uh, a gorgeous phrase, I'll just have to remember who said it in a moment, uh, which is, don't count the people you reach, reach the people who count. Um, and I've, yeah, now look, that's, um, sorry, it'll come to me. I'm hopeless at remembering this. Guy's name. <laughs> um, I find that that is, uh, you know, it's, it's such a, a key sort of um, way of recalling exactly, um, you know, what what we should be thinking about in our actions, because too often you'll find people that are buried in in trying to reach a lot of people, whether it's through social media or whatever. But if those are just people, if you're spending your time on Facebook and Instagram and all those things, but you're not really sure, are these the right people for me? Then it's to a large extent, a fair bit of that can be fairly wasted effort. And that's one of the key places that I'll start with someone is saying is getting clear on who is it that you serve? Who is it that you really want to get the attention of and let's design your strategy around that don't just go out kind of firing everywhere i mean seth godin who i'm sure you will you will know and a number of the listeners will know mm-hmm. he also has a lovely um quote of his i can't remember it word for word but he said it's a lot easier 
to make your loudspeaker louder than it is to make your message more compelling. And that's such a good point, again, is we see a lot of people that are shouting louder, whereas what we need to be focusing on is making your message more compelling. So that's what a, a lot of the work I do is, is, is kind of in that, in that general space. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of wrap those all in together is, is when we look at uh, kind of wearing too many hats and time management is Often because we are kind of firing off in all sorts of directions, because we don't really, in a lot of cases, have our priorities kind of front and center. Like, what is the most important thing for you to do today in your business? What's the most important thing for you to do over the next week, over the next month for your, for your business? If we don't have clarity around that, then we will forever keep ourselves busy. You know, we can spend all day in our inboxes. We can spend all day on social media. But is that our priority? Is that what we should be doing? Mm -hmm. So having a very clear picture of kind of where we're trying to go, what are the, the three or four steps that will get us there, and and making sure that those things are factored into kind of every day, um, I just think are really key to um, sort of underpinning the success of, of a solo business. And I should just say, I'm talking far too much about work because there's a whole other side of a successful business mm -hmm. that has very little to do with work. Anyway. Yeah. So, well, so <laughs> <laughs> what is that other side yeah. that has to do with okay. work? Okay. Well, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> led you there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The thing I, well, look, I suppose the way I think of it, or it's not, I say the way I think of it is, is hardly a revelation. Um, what a, a number of us in our businesses do is that when we are kind of struggling a little bit, we tend to think we just have to sit at our desks or in our studios and just keep doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, in fact, that's as I know that, you know, because I've read some of your work, I've heard some of your opinions on things. That's not the way to do it. Now, I've, I do quite a lot of public uh, events and speaking and things, and I've, I've asked I don't know how many hundreds of business owners, when do you have your best ideas? And when I ask that question, people say, oh, when I'm out walking, when I'm running, when I'm with friends, when I'm in the shower, when I'm about to fall asleep, um, when I'm driving, nobody, nobody has their best ideas when they're staring at their monitor. Right. Or, or staring at their canvas even, you know. So what we need to do, what we must do as businesses is have the courage to step away from our work so that we can get some clarity in our thinking and staying there, particularly when times are a bit difficult, just going to work, turning everything on, getting into work is often not what we should be doing. You know, there was... Um, Again, there's, there's some lovely phrases about that, but Mahatma Gandhi says something which I'd, again, you will, I'm sure have heard, which is, I have so much work to do today, I'm going to have to meditate for twice as long. <laughs> now, I just think the, you know, the concept of that is just so beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, I've got so much work to do today, I'm going to have to meditate for twice as long. And if there's, if there's something that I think should be in every single business book, it's something like that printed on the inside cover, because Often what we need to get clarity is to get away, get some space. And it doesn't, I'm not talking about for a huge time, but give yourself permission to just get away from your work, talk with some friends, go for a walk, go for a bike ride, go for a swim. Just give yourself some space. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the most courageous thing to do oft, often when you're in a struggle in your work. So, Sure. Mm. So I, I know oftentimes a lot of people are paralyzed by this, like what to do next or even yep. the, the fear of, of, you know, making a decision or, or what to do next. How do you approach that idea of, of fear and pushing forward? Hmm, that's a great question. What a fabulous question. That's got me thinking. Well, look, I think the, th- the thing is, um, if somebody has, has got some, a step and then, and they're fearful. And look, I'm thinking of one. I had one yesterday, a kind of a tech fear. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm in my early sixties and I'm pretty good with tech, but I still get things that confront me a bit. And I think, oh my God, you know, what, what happens if I press that button wrong? And, well, you know, those sort of, so that, that's a minor example, but it's a fear nonetheless. Right. So what I do in those situations and what I think we need to do with all fears is just, just remind us. And again, what I did, I went for a walk and I reminded myself, I went for a walk with a note, piece, a pen and a piece of note paper is why am I doing what I'm doing? What's the, what am I going to, what's life going to be like the other side of this when I've done it? And I reminded myself of that. And it's a kind of, you know, this is a smallish issue, but by the time I've done it, I will have leapt forward and have a new product that I don't currently have. So, you know, I want that. I want that. So I reminded myself of that. Then I had a look and I thought, okay, what, where do I need more knowledge so that I can feel reassured that uh, what I'm about to do is actually achievable? Mm-hmm. You know, most things that we do in our work, uh, in our day-to-day life, most things have been done by someone else before. So, and in this day and age with, you know, the internet, with Google and with YouTube, this is some, and on YouTube, people have done everything. They'll show you how to un- open a box, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, there's everything there. So again, I thought, okay, let me just reassure myself by seeing what some other people, and so I did that. So in a short space of time, I reminded myself what, why I was doing it and what life is going to look like on the other side of it. I reassured myself by looking at some stories and, and examples of people that had done it. And then I just decided, okay, from here, I just need to man up and get on with it. So <laughs> I use the um, Pomodoro technique, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that way. So I put on my little Pomodoro app, gave myself my 25 minute block. And of course, lo and behold, it was a piece of cake. You know, it wasn't, but what often happens when we have a fear is that it sits there as a fear. What we don't do is, is we don't often get enough, um, information. We don't do enough kind of research to just allay that fear slightly. So if we don't do that, then the fear just gets bigger and bigger. It just, whereas we need it, like if I'm talking with someone, as I quite often do, who's got some financial concerns, or fears, um, I'll say, well, what, let's just have a really good look at your finances. And it's like, oh, no, I don't want to. Or I say, come on, let's do it. So you do it and you have a look at exactly what the debts are and what they've, what, what, what they've got where and all. And once you get the information down on paper, I swear to you, there's never been a time when someone doesn't go, oh, that's not quite as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. Because that's the creative mind. The creative mind goes bonkers if it hasn't got anything to kind of hang on to. So we need to get as much information, get as much support stuff around us, 
and then it makes that step a lot easier. And I think if, so if you've, if you've given yourself that reassurance and you might get it from the internet and other things that I've said, or you might get it from talking to a friend or speaking to someone who's, who's trod the path that you, that you're concerned about treading. Mm -hmm. And those little bits of reassurance will boost you. But if we sit all by ourselves and worry, guess what? That worry just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, like a snowball rolling down a hill. So yeah, that would be my response to that. Okay. Wonderful. So earlier this year, you wrote a new book called The One Minute Commute. Mm. What, uh, why, why did you want to, to write a new book and, and what uh, is it focused on? Okay. Uh, technically, it was last year. So, oh, um, you're, right. you're right. Last year. <laughs> it is 2019 now. That's right. So it came out in the middle of 2018. Yes, it's called The One Minute Commute. The idea being that it's the commute from, say, your kitchen to your studio or to your front room or whatever. Okay. So that's the idea. And it's, a, I think, quite a clever title that my publisher, Pam McMillan, came up with. And it kind of you know, teases you to think, well, I've heard of that, whereas you might have heard of the One Minute Manager and that whole series. So it's quite quite a clever little play on words. But anyway, it's all about how to, it's, it's really a manual, that's the way I think of it, on how to design, create, build, grow, and exit a very small business. Okay. Um, and it's not, I don't talk about, you know, how to register your business and how to get your, it's nothing technical. It's much more kind of mindset. There's lots of program or sort of exercises in there. And the idea is it's something that you can kind of dive into whenever you need to. So if you're not sure about how word of mouth marketing works, you'll find a section on that. If you're not sure how to, increase your fees and your hourly rate there's a section on that if you're not sure how to talk to somebody about you know it's so it's that sort of thing it it, it is very i've got a copy in my hand now sad man that i am i'm looking at my own book um but it's you know it's everything i i know about running a small business and um and yeah look i've had some nice reviews it's it's widely available um down under where i come from it's also um, available as an audio book now with, on audible.com and it's on Amazon. But so a lot of the sort of reviews and feedback I've had have been local uh, to me. And people have said it's it's like having a coffee with a friend. And I, I thought that was a really that was a nice way to put it. You know, it's very conversational in style. Um, I'm not saying there's anything in there that is a absolutely you'll never have read anything like this ever before in your life because there's not many books like that but what it is is all in one place it's kind of everything i think you need to know to either start or rejuvenate or refresh your own small business um and yeah that that's that is what it is sure well excellent well and then also speaking of other projects you're working mm. on you are you are a podcaster and you have a brand new podcast coming out. Tell me more about that. I do, and that's this is very generous of you. Um, yes, so look, I do a fair bit of. I just love podcasting. I mean, Yuri, why wouldn't we? It's, you, you get to talk to people. It's fantastic. Exactly. Um, so I run Flying Solos podcast, and they've done that for oh, I don't know three three or four years, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just starting a new podcast called Rekindle that um, should be on iTunes. Um, by the time this show gets published and rekindle is looking at uh, what we need to do to uh, re-energize refresh uh, just keep the flame alive in our small businesses so rekindle 
is the podcast and uh yeah it's it's just about to go live and i'm i'm really excited by that and uh yeah can't wait to, to get into it and talk to people maybe i can talk to yuri cataldo you never know <laughs> you never know i i hear his <laughs> schedule's pretty open and he's available <laughs> <laughs> excellent well wonderful so in everything that you have done and the people that you have spoken with and worked with what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Golly gosh. Um, I think the best advice I've ever received, which um, came in a, in a situation which wasn't actually directly business, but was, was just the phrase, go for a walk, um, which doesn't sound like business advice. But it was somebody uh, I was kind of working with a while ago and uh, I had a few things that I just wasn't kind of what sh- sure what to do. Mm-hmm. And he just said, let's just go for a little walk. And um, and what was remarkable is that 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 really had quite a sort of profound effect on me because it, by changing this, this, the sort of the situation, the, the geographic situation, and by bringing some motion um, into what we were doing, um, it really just opened up um, a, a new way of thinking about things, which just sounds, I hope this is an acceptable response. But you know, there, was, there was some research done quite recently um, from a group in, I think it was in California, that showed that um, idea generation can be increased by up to 60% um, just by taking a 20-minute walk. And... Um, and I'm not su- suggesting that everybody has to go for a walk, but you need to do something, just get some movement. Um, and I was as- astonished when I read that. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I have a little expression I keep in my mind, which is kind of walk myself happy. And I'm a pretty happy guy most of the time, but if I get a bit bleh, um, then I kind of, you know, and everybody does. Um, I, I know that. I'm just a walk away from shaking that off. Um, and that's the fact that I've got that as some kind of, uh, solution. I find, you know, I, I just find that so unbelievably reassuring. And, you know, I know there's a whole lot more to life than just going for a walk, but, um, that certainly works for me. So I will often say to people that are really, sort of struggling with something else. So well, first things first, go for a walk and then let's have a chat on the phone, mm. you know, and just that can have such an impact. And uh, yeah, so I hope that's an acceptable response. <laughs> of course, that's perfect. So Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to buy your book, see more of your writing and visit your website, where is the best place they can go to find you? Okay, well, look, that's pretty easy. Uh, RobertGerrish.com. So that's G-E-R-R-I-S-H, RobertGerrish.com. Um, you'll find everything I do on there. Uh, there's, if you want to get in touch with me and just ask me anything, go ahead. There's a contact form on there. Uh, you know, I love what I do. I hope that comes across. And uh, anybody that, um, you know, that I can help, I, I will do my utmost. So, yeah, look, it's been lovely talking with you. It's nice to be on the other side of the microphone, I must say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wonderful. It's it's been an absolute pleasure, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. 
If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.